Okay, before we get into the uh, the interview and uh, the racing stuff, let's just do some quick hitters around the sports world. Appreciate everyone tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said on this Friday, January the 24th. We, you know... The show is going to change a lot in the next couple of weeks just as far as the topics are concerned because once football is out of the picture, we're going to focus a lot more on, you know, we'll have horse racing deep dive episodes. We'll talk a little more NBA. We'll start to break down college basketball a little bit more. So we're going to spread things around quite a bit more because the NFL is kind of, you know, the big focus. Everybody wants to talk NFL. Everybody wants to uh, bet the NFL games, play fantasy football. So we we kind of miss out on some of the other big sports topics. We try to keep you abreast of to everything that is going on. The NBA All-Star starters were announced. And, you know, the East overall, from as far as the teams are concerned, seems a little stronger this year than it has in some of the past years. But when you just break down the All-Star starters on the East versus the West, you kind of see that the West teams are deeper, top-heavier, and just the players uh, are a little bit better. Like, you compare the two, right? In the West, the starters are Luka Doncic, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. And then in the East, we're talking about Trey Young, Kemba Walker, Pascal Siakam, Giannis, and Embiid. Now, I think Giannis and Embiid would probably be starters either way. The other three, like Pascal has had an incredible year, but when when you're talking about all-stars and like starters and making the team, it's a lot of time like a popularity contest. And so usually you have to be established for a year or two before you kind of can break through. And that's not the case with, with Pascal. Uh, Kemba's been kind of a mainstay on the in the Eastern Conference All-Stars for a while, but you you might go two or three deep. Like would Kemba make it over Lilliard? I mean, a, a lot of this kind of depends on what is your criteria for an all-star, right? Is it somebody who's on a good team who helps make the good team better? Or are we talking like good stats, bad team players? Because that's what we're getting with Trey Young, who just lights it up, but his team is literally one of the worst teams in the league and he plays absolutely no defense. Yet he is the starting point guard on the East All-Stars. So we'll break down the reserves. I really hope Brandon Ingram gets in on the West because he has just been really, really good and deserving, even on a team that struggled. Uh, he's carried the the load for them, and he's taken the next step. So as a, a former Laker, I'm rooting for B.I. to get in the mix there as a, as a Western Conference reserve. The NFL Super Bowl is set. We're not going to talk a whole ton about it this weekend because uh, this week because next week we'll do two different shows where we're breaking down the Super Bowl. We're going to go through the game. We'll give our analysis. We'll have a couple different guests on to talk about uh, different ways to bet the game as far as the props are concerned because this isn't just a pick one side of the game where Kansas City, I believe, is a one-point favorite, and this is going to be a tight, tight spread. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement between now and you know, next Sunday. So uh, Kansas City, San Francisco, we got two really good teams and we have a really good matchup. When you think about the teams who were the best all throughout the season in the NFL, it was probably San Francisco and Baltimore. Baltimore stubbed their toe a little bit. And then Kansas City has really been flying under the radar the second half of the season. Ever since it seems like Mahomes has been healthy, their defense has improved. And uh, the real key is, can Andy Reid get the monkey off his back and, and win a Super Bowl? We've seen them come out a little flat in their first two playoff games. If you get down, you know, 10 nothing to San Francisco, you might be in some trouble. So we'll see if Kansas City um, has maybe a little bit of a different approach to try to come out a little bit smoother, cleaner. A lot of drops just kind of look sloppy at the beginning of the games uh, in, in both their first two playoff games. Can't do that against the 49ers. While we're staying in football, unfortunate story. Um, we've all been kind of seeing Antonio Brown this year where, you know, from the the stuff of getting traded from Pittsburgh, going to the Raiders, not playing with the Raiders, playing with New England, getting cut by New England. Um, then stuff came out about um, assault, sexual assault, battery, um, all sorts of stuff with his family. He has actually turned himself into police yesterday. So Antonio Brown was granted bail. He will go through drug testing and mental health evaluation. After setting his bond at 100000 a Florida judge ordered that the NFL free agent wear a GPS monitor, surrender his passport, and undergo a mental health evaluation. Brown turned himself in into police following accusations that he attacked the driver of a moving truck that carried some of his possessions. So you just hope that 
um, any anybody, you know, we all like mental health, all sorts of issues. It's it's something that we forget that just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're perfect, right? Sometimes more money, more problems. Isn't that, isn't that what they say? So prayers up for uh, Antonio Brown. Hopefully he gets the help needed because when you're just talking pure talent, he is incredible. He is one of the absolute best on the football field, but nobody deserves to play a sport or nobody deserves to uh, to get away with the kind of things that he's been getting away with and act the way that he's been acting. So let's hope he uh, he can get the help needed and and hopefully he can you know make some apologies to some people out there because he's definitely had a a rough year. Okay, before we get into our interview, let's talk a little bit about Sarah Candles. You've heard me preach about one of our sponsors, Sarah Candles, on the show plenty of times before. Their goal is to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. A couple reasons why Sarah Candles are the best. All natural, soy wax, they're free from toxins. The paraffin wax, which is most of the leading candles, has a toxin in it and this all natural soy wax actually will hold your scent better and will burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candles they're 100% lead free cotton wicks they're completely natural scents they're made in micro batches they're hand poured to ensure the highest quality 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA 25 different scents available 3 different sizes fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils and we got a promo code for you. G-I-N-O gets you 10% off of your entire purchase. And don't forget, right now, they are offering you a little bit of a special. It's called the Valentine's Day Box. If you go to sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, you can take a look at the Valentine's Day Box. It's just 20 bucks, And for this, you get two of the most popular Valentine's Day scents. These are handcrafted candles using that soy wax, so you get two of the five-ounce candles that will each last you in the 20 to 30-hour range, and you get to pick between these three scents, Fresh Roses, Date Night, and Tuxedo. You pick two of the three of them for 20 bucks, and that is your Valentine's Day box. Guys, this is great to be part of that package gift that you're going to get for your wives, for your girlfriends, for your mothers, for your daughters, for your sisters. And hey, gals, you know if you know that your guy likes a candle... This is great for them, for any significant other, friend, family member. Uh, make sure to use that promo code G-I-N-O, though. It'll get you 10% off of your purchase. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. Perfect time. You don't, you don't want to go spend thousands of dollars, but you can get something that will be around the house. It'll be a fun gesture, and they're going to love you. The significant other will love you when you check out Sarah Candle Company. So, C-E-R-A, candles.com. Check out that Valentine's Day box. It's only 20 bucks. Use the promo code G-I-N-O. Let's get into some Saturday horse racing. So get your past performances out for January the 25th. A little bit of a bummer if you were getting excited for the big Pegasus card at Gulfstream Park. We had two major scratches. Omaha Beach, unfortunately, had to scratch from the race and spun to run. So we're talking about the top two betting choices in the race. Really unfortunate for a horse like uh, Omaha Beach who had a scratch before the Kentucky Derby when he would have been the, the heavy favorite. And then he has to scratch before the Pegasus, so... You have to say two of, if not the biggest races of his career, two of the maybe the three biggest races that he would have been in, unfortunately had to be removed before the race even started. So what it does do, it does make, while the Pegasus isn't the quality that one would hope, it does make the race much better from a pure wagering standpoint because it's way more wide open. Way more wide open. Nobody in this field is really the caliber of... uh, Omaha Beach or Spun to Run. So now you have different options in here. Let's go through the Gulfstream Park card. Kind of quickly, we'll hit on uh, some horses throughout the card that we like. Let's go to race number two. And let's go to the number six. Gimme Some Mo, who debuted at Gulfstream Park back in December and was bet down to favoritism that day. And he was a he made a big, wide move right up into contention before flattening out. And that was going a mile first time out. Never easy. 
I don't think he's going to be six to one. I think he'll be more like a seven to two ish or so, and that's fair to me. Let's go. Gimme some Mo making his second career start. Three year old should take a nice step forward today. They showed some ability. I like horses like this that run in spots. They show you there's something there, but you got it has to come all together for you to win, especially first time out of the box. The number six, Gimme some Mo in race number two. Let's go to race number five for our next play. So we'll have uh, some plays for you at Gulfstream and from Oaklawn for Saturday. And then we'll go to Sam Houston for some Sunday plays. They have a really good Sunday card at Sam Houston. Fifth race, we're going to go to the number six there. Moonlight Romance. You know, you go through her career. This is a Wesley Ward trained filly. And she was really good early on, as most Wesley Ward runners are. Heads over to Ascot, then comes back. In late 2018, doesn't run well in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Comes back at the start of 2019. Nice winner over at Keeneland. Kind of like uneven form, right? Good race, bad race, good race, bad race. But her bad races, I think, are in tough spots. And you can make legitimate excuses for them. I think because we haven't seen her on the grass in a few starts now, you're going to get a little bit better of a price with her. It's Wesley Ward and Johnny V teaming up. I just don't think she'll be the price that she is on the morning line of 15 to 1. She feels like she should be more of, you know, maybe half that because I think she's better. Last time out, she tried the synthetic, went a little wide after a tough start, and just never really got in the mix. I'm just thinking this is going to be a whole different ball game here. She has a little bit of speed, but she can sit just off. Let's give Moonlight Romance a big shot here in race number 5 at Gulfstream Park. Let's move up to race number 7 at Gulfstream. And this is the grade 3. Mile... Going the mile. Let's go to the five. Fat Man. Fat Man is coming off of a runner-up effort to War Story. And you, let's look at his last like five or six races, right? You see Mosito Rojo. You see even before that Silver Dust. Um, most recently Spun to Run. And then War Story, who's going to be in, in the Pegasus later on, as well as Bodhi Express. I like Fat Man's recent form. I think he's going to take a nice little step forward. And if you just look at his, you know, since coming into this barn, he's been really, really good. So let's give Fat Man a big shot. Use him in all of your exotics. That's the number five, Fat Man. So let's go to race number, sorry, knocking my Gatorade bottle uh, off the table. Lemon Lime Gatorade, right? That's the one. The green. I'm okay with the red. I can buy a little orange, but for me, it's the uh, it's the lemon line, cream Gatorade. Let's go to race number nine now at Gulfstream Park. So we're just kind of bouncing throughout the day, giving you horses to include in some of your exotics and best bets and stuff. Like I, I rarely and I'll do it on the Breeders' Cup days or in some big days, but I rarely feel forced to play like every single race on a card anymore because there's just. You have so many opportunities, so many different places. Look through the card. If you don't love a race, don't feel like you, you have to be forced to play that pick four or pick five sequence. That's usually the race that you end up getting knocked out, and it's not good for your bankroll. So, you know, pick and choose. Play a little smarter. Don't Try not to get on tilt. The, the ninth race, I do respect the five blamed quite a bit. Uh, I think she's talented. I think she'll be in the mix throughout. I, she likes Gulfstream Park. She'll be flashing some of that early speed. The, the hope that I have is that the six Nona Madeline will sit off the pace a little bit. She broke poorly, and then she went to the lead in her most recent start in an allowance race. I think that was just, hey, we think we have the best horse in this race. Let's handle her that way. Let's just kind of put her on the front end, try to keep her out of trouble here. She can sit a little bit, and I don't think she's as fast as some of the others in here, which means she might just end up naturally being behind them, which is fine by me because that's what I hope. So, Nona Madeline, who hadn't raced from October of 2018 to December of 2019, so she won last out in a race that she absolutely needed. What I love is that Pletcher's given her over a month now to recover from a race that she won pretty easily on the front end. You never know what it takes out of a horse like that when they come back from such a long layoff. Let's go Nona Madeline, the number six. Let's use Nona Madeline in all of our exotics. If we can get like five to one, we'll make a win wager 
on Nona Madeline. Let's move to race number 10 at Gulfstream Park. And 10th race, they'll be going a mile and a half in here. Let's take a little bit of a swing with the number 8. Pumpkin Rumble. This is a really, really sharp gelding. He's an older horse. He's 9 years old. He's an 11-time winner. And he's just been based up at Woodbine for a long time. You know, you see him in all the big races up at Woodbine on the synthetic and on the turf. And if you put a line through the Canadian, the grade one Canadian International back in October, you're really left with a string of solid races. I love, this horse is just super versatile. He can run all day long. He doesn't have to be way, he's not, he's not like a speedy horse, but he doesn't have to be way, way out of it at this distance. He can sit closer if they're not going very fast. I like Pumpkin Rumble. Second start off the short little break, comes down to Gulfstream Park. Let's give Pumpkin Rumble a big long look in here and we'll uh, throw him in all of our exotics. We'll make a win wager on Pumpkin Rumble if we can get over 5-1. to one. And now in the two big races, in race number 11, which is the uh, the world, the Pegasus World Cup turf, I think there are two horses to include in your exotics. I won't be too, you know... Outside of the box in here, I think without without parole is the one to beat. Uh, I just think he's gonna be, he's gonna be really really tough. The race he comes out of to me just seems much better than when everyone in this race. We kind of know them, right? These, there's a lot of horses that we've seen. They kind of have taken turns beating up on each other. They all to me, you know, feel like your Zulus, your Arclos, your Saddler's Joy, your Channel Cat. Even in still regard, they all feel like a good like group of grade 2 to grade 3 type horses, right? To me, I look at this field and I think without parole could just be a tier on a top tier ahead of them. And the other horse who I think is interesting just because of the way he's been ascending is Mo Forza. So those are the two horses I would use in like all of your exotics, uh, without parole and Mo Forza, whichever one's better. If you get a good price on Mo Forza, and, and maybe this is a little too much for him coming over to Gulfstream Park, but I do think Mo Forza will be a Forza. You like that? At least on the West Coast, in the uh, in the turf, in the older turf division. So those two, without parole, the number three and the number ten, Mo Forza will be the horses that I include in in all the exotics in race number eleven. And now the Pegasus. As a race that is much more wide open, so it's, I mean, don't even really pay attention to the morning line in there because it's going to drastically change now with the the top two betting choices out. There are two horses that I'm going to include in uh, in all of the exotics. The first is the three Diamond Oops, who comes off a win in the Mister Prospector, and you know if you put a line through his his Breeders' Cup race where. Most of these horses, if if you see a horse that didn't run well in the Breeders' Cup on the main track at Santa Anita, you can probably forgive them and give them a little bit of an excuse because that track just did not play very well, especially the horses that got behind. It was really tiring. It was really deep, and he had a tough start. So I'm willing to put a line right through that for Diamond Oops. Came right back at Gulfstream Park last time out. He absolutely loves this racetrack. He has some speed, but he can sit off. We'll have some questions about the distance. Can he go this far? We'll see, but... I think he should be right in the mix, and he gives he gives you a really good account of himself, whether it be showing speed or whether it be coming from off the pace. And then the other horse who I think might be getting forgot about a little bit is the number six, Higher Power. He's had a really good last year or so. Came into the Sadler Barn, took a shot right away against Grade 1 Company, and was defeated by Vino Rosso and Giftbox, both who are super talented on their best days. Then couple graces on the grass and then it was the Pacific Classic race obviously that he was awesome in what wasn't the strongest Pacific Classic on paper but he absolutely crushed the field came back in the awesome again ran a good third when he had a bad start from the rail and then even in the Breeders' Cup Classic again he had a, a tough start didn't have the best of trips but he still finished third I think higher power you know if Again, it's tough to gauge price wise, but if we're getting like seven to two on him and seven to two or four to one on a bunch of others in here, let's give Higher Power a big long look. So in the twelfth way, twelfth uh, race, the number six Higher Power and the number three Diamond Oops. Let's real quick recap the Gulfstream horses to look at. Second race, the number six Gimme Some Mo. Fifth race, the number six Midnight Romance. Seventh race, the number five Fat Man. Ninth race, the number six Nona Madeline. 
10th race, the number 8 Pumpkin Rumble, 11th, the 3 without parole, and the 10 Mo Forza, and the 12th, the number 6 Higher Power, and the number 3 Diamond Oops. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What G Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, let's get to some Oaklawn Park for Saturday. We just went through Gulfstream. Let's get to Oaklawn, get your past performances out. We have basically like a later part of the card that we like at Oaklawn. Let's turn for January 25th. Let's tune to the fifth race. And in this fifth race, it is the fifth season. They'll be going a mile. Who I like, uh, there are two horses who I like. So if you're playing the exotics, I'd keep an eye on these two. The, the number four, Remembering Rita, who takes the blinkers off, and then the number seven, Night Ops. So maybe you're playing a 50-cent pick five. Those would be the two horses that I include in the first leg of that pick five sequence. And then in race number six, I'm going to give you an idea of, of who I'll use and how I'll approach the pick five. Uh, I like... Uh, 1247 in here. I do think Babalu is a little bit interesting as a long shot who, who faced winners last time out and now is going to go as a first time gelding. Expect a little improvement from no shirt, no shoes on the cutback. The rail concerns me a little bit, but I think he should be uh, much more fit today. I like kicking Kirby also. Third start off the bench should be primed and ready for a big one. And then approved looks like the one to catch and the one to, that they'll all have to beat in there. So one, two, four, and seven in race number six at Oaklawn Park. We move to the seventh race, which is the Pippin. And we'll be four, eight, and 11 in there. I like Irish Mischief. She's just a really solid filly right now. She rarely shows up with a bad effort. And those are the kind of horses that I, I like to play. She has speed, but she has the ability to sit off the pace if need be. She has a nice tactical style. She's versatile. Um, I feel like whatever race shape ends up happening, she can adapt to it. So Irish Mischief will be the top selection in there. We will have 4, 8, and 11 in the exotics. Uh, I do want to include Remedy who was your beaten favorite last time out, who has some speed and has some ability. And then, whoa, Nelly has the price play in there. Whoa, Nelly in nice form coming in from Turfway. And then uh, 
in race number eight. It's the fifth season. I think Mosito Rojo should really like this spot. He's been in some tough, tough spots in his last few, and and maybe just uh, against two tough of groups with Tom's D. Todd and, and Mr. Freeze and Owen Dale. Much better spot for him here coming back uh, in to just more of an overnight type stakes. This is not a, an easy group, but just compared to what Mo- Mosito Rojo has been facing, he can stalk. He can sit a little bit closer than he showed in his last couple. I think if you just put a line through those last two races, and if you're playing him off the Lucas Classic race, he'd be a much shorter price in here. And then Pioneer Spirit is the one to beat. He has the speed. He can sit just off. He should be forwardly placed and should be very tough in here. So 2-6 in race number 8. And then to close things out, we will use the 1 and the 10 in that ninth race at Oakland Park. I do think Embolden is going to be very tough, but the, what concerns me is the rail. If he doesn't break, if she does not break alertly, she might get shuffled back from the inside. So I will use uh, one other along with Embolden, and we will include the number 10, Lady of Luxury, who just is really, really at her absolute best right now. She is looking for a third consecutive win. She's putting two starts together, and she's becoming more patient, more versatile. I keep saying it's a word I say a lot, but I look to horses that have some like multiple dimensions, right? If I if there's a horse that you know only has speed, and that's the only way they can win if they if they wire the field, then obviously it hurts their chances of winning. And so with a horse like Lady of Luxury, I think she has the opportunity to sit and win in, in multiple different ways. So Oakland Park, fifth race, uh, number four, Remembering Rita, number seven, Night Ops. The sixth race will go one, two, four, seven. The seventh race, four, eight, eleven. The eighth race, two, six. And the ninth race, one, ten. Best of luck there in your Saturday at Oakland Park. And then let's get you over to close things out with Sam Houston for Sunday one thing we love about Sam Houston is the low takeout, 12% takeout on your pick threes, your pick fours, and your pick fives. So let's uh, let's get through this Sam Houston card. Get your past performances out for Sunday, January the 26th. In race number one, I think a first-time starter is primed for this race, and wouldn't, wouldn't it be fitting if the three-year-old son of Empire Maker, the sire who just recently passed away a week ago, wins this one, Storm King, doesn't have to be a monster to beat this group. This isn't the strongest group in the world. I think with Asmussen and Santana teaming up on the number six, Storm King, make sure to include him in all of your early exotics. Race number two, let's go to the number eight, Disinclined. Just put a line through his last start, which was on the slop at Remington Park, and look at the two and three back turf races when he was right there. Uh, I think that's the trip that he absolutely wants. Going long on the grass, this is just a great trip for him. If you're going to give a look to a horse like Grey Hope, I think you, you almost have to give a look to a horse like Disinclined, who is right in the mix with Grey Hope, going 7.5 a couple starts back. Disinclined, the number 8, let's include in all of your exotics there at Sam Houston. Let's skip over to race number 5, no real strong opinions in races 3 and 4. In the 5th race, we're going to go to the 9, Richard's Boy. You remember Richard's Boy, who was 2nd in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint? couple years back in 2017 he is really good at five furlongs not the five and a half or the six or the six and a half the five furlongs that's where I kind of give him an advantage in here go back and look at some of his really early races excellent at the five furlong layout Richard's boy going to be the top selection in race number five the number nine we're going to use in all of our exotics if you're looking for a horse to build some exotics around maybe in race number six you go to the number five Trump Pence the two Pete's play call, I was actually going to use him in a spot at Fairgrounds last week, but he scratched out of that for this spot, and, I, and he's a very logical contender, and he makes a lot of sense in here. But watch Trump Pence's races. He's just never done anything wrong. The only race he lost was when he was coming off the bench at Remington Park in November, and that was going six and a half furlongs. Might just been a little bit too much off the bench for him. He sat really nicely last time out. He was 22 to 1, and the way he was handled, it looked like he was a 1 9 shot in that race. I mean, he was fifth. He was a little further back than normal, but he was 3 4 off the lead. He was just kept wide. He was kept in the clear, and he just inhaled the field like a, like a heavy chalk would. So the number five, Trump Pence, will be a horse that we include in all of our exotics and maybe a horse to, to use as a key in some of your exotics. And then let's talk late pick four at Sam Houston. 
Starts in race number 7 with the Texas Turf Mile We will So the approach in this pick 4 Will be We're trying to beat Serengeti Empress and, it, and we're trying to beat her just because I think it's a field Where there are multiple horses who have the opportunity to beat her So we'll use in, in the 7th race The 1, Pixelate The number 4, Billy Bats Who's just honest he Always gives you a really good account of himself I love the number 10, Bodie Cream In his most recent start He hopped at the start He ended up last He was 7th He was 8 off He angled inside He flew late to just miss And then it was a big gallop out he doesn't have to be so far back. He can sit a little bit closer. He's going to put two starts together now. Bodie Cream will be the top selection in a horse to make a win wager on if he's anything over 5-1. to one. And then the number 11 will also include in the exotics Field Pass, who has some good turf form going long early at 2. And he kind of tailed off a little bit. But if you just excuse the most recent race, even the, uh, the Bourbon and the Laurel Futurity, those races are not bad. So give Field Pass a look and toss him in to the late pick four here. 1, 4, 10, 11 in race number 7. In race number 8, the reason why we'll go against Serengeti Empress is just because I think this is a pretty good group. And I think there are multiple that can that can beat Serengeti Empress. Who, no doubt, she's the class of the field. She is the one to catch from the rail. But... She's not your only graded stakes winner in here I mean right next door she's going to have to deal with Grade 1 winner out for a spin Who has a little bit of speed and could press her a little bit You're going to have to deal with multiple graded stakes winner Lady Apple who also has tactical speed You're going to have to deal with my Lady Curlin Who's another multiple graded stakes winner And then Street Band who's actually beat Serengeti Empress a couple times She's also a grade 1 winner And a multiple graded stakes winner To me I think Serengeti Empress probably gets overbet in here a little bit Because people think that she might be able to steal this race on the front end And she might, she might just be quicker than the rest of these And she might just be be able to kind of run away and hide But I think at the price she will be in comparison to the field she's going to face Let's just try to, let's try to beat her And let's use the other logicals Let's go 2, 4, 5, and 6 in here In race number 8, we'll try to beat Serengeti Empress In race number 9, the John B. Connolly Turf Cup We'll use 4 in here We'll go with the 6, another mystery We'll go with the 9, Dot Matrix The 10, Track Smith The 11, Sleepy Eyes Todd Who's stepping up really, really sharp I just don't know if he can go this far But I'd imagine he's going to be Probably setting the pace Or very close to the lead throughout in here 6, 9, 10, 11 in the ninth, And then we close things out in the Jersey Lily Turf with 3 We'll go 6, 9, and 11 there uh, Dream Passage, very, very logical Will be tough, looking for her third in a row She has the speed, and she will be right up on the front end And we'll use the 9, Orange Juice Who's going to be my top selection in here Third start off the bench You know, when you dig through her form She really has not run many bad races She generally shows up If you put a line through that September race That was a race that sent her to the bench for a few months Probably a built-in excuse there And then the number 11, Curlin's Journey Curlin's Journey coming in off back-to-back graded stakes efforts Where she was pretty good And honestly, she's going to sit back She's going to make and launch one late run And based on the, the company that she's been keeping This is a really good spot for her So, we'll go through the plays one more time At Sam Houston Race number 1, the 6, Storm King Race number 2, the 8, Disinclined Race number 5, the 9, Richard's Boy Race 6, the 5, Trumpence And then in race 7, the number 10, Bodie Cream Let's also play a late pick 4 there 1, 4, 10, 11 With 2, 4, 5, 6 With 6, 9, 10, 11 With 6, 9, 11 And in the 10th race, put a few bucks on the 9 Or a juice That is Sam Houston for Sunday Make sure to uh, head on over if you can iTunes, leave a nice little 5 star rating and review If you're listening on YouTube Just make sure to punch that subscribe button That way every time we have an episode It will be delivered to you uh, You can head on over to SoundCloud TuneIn, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcast We are live on all of those platforms And you can just click to subscribe It helps us out Gives, a, gives us a little bit better metrics to show the sponsors And put some money right back in my pocket So thanks to everyone for tuning in We have coming up next Is an interview it's time to rumble. It's time for the Royal Rumble. Those of you who are wrestling fans, the Royal Rumble is my favorite event of the year. It's an event where there are 30 entrants that come out uh, one at a time, and they have to be thrown over the top rope 
in order to be eliminated. The last one standing wins, and then they get a big title shot in a couple months at WrestleMania. This is something I've loved. I've been watching my entire life, and anytime it's it's Royal Rumble time, you know we're going to talk about it here on That's What G Said. So we brought in Darren Zocali and Brian Monzo, a couple friends of the show, to break down the Royal Rumble. And coming up next is going to be our interview with Darren and with Brian where we break down the Royal Rumble card. We give you our predictions and kind of preview the event. So kick back and enjoy Royal Rumble 2020 predictions. Okay, it's Royal Rumble season, so you know we're going to have to have a couple of our good uh, buddies from the show join us to talk about the Royal Rumble. We have Brian Monzo and Darren Zocali here to talk some Rumble, and we'll get right into it because I know Brian is uh, is busy in between um, recording shows, producing shows, handicapping some races for the weekend. It's a busy weekend uh, on Brian. We got some big races. We got the Pegasus, and then we got the Rumble on Sunday, so... Like kind of overall thoughts heading into this year's Rumble, you know, comparing it to last year's or or previous years. What I like about the Rumble is that even if the year has been a little lackluster the previous year, even if the storylines aren't great, the Rumble event itself is always just so awesome. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it begins the the road to obviously the WrestleMania for everybody for that matter. Um, historically, for me though, this is what's kind of interesting is. Um, in previous lives, I, I've been on remote for this starting this uh, on Sunday for Radio Row at the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to be there this year. So I'm going to be able to watch the Royal Rumble at home this year, which is going to be interesting. Back and relax. Normally, yeah. Normally, I'm in a hotel on my iPad, you know, in uh, you know Minneapolis, freezing my balls off, or in Georgia uh, <laughs> last year in Atlanta, trying to get you know Wi-Fi there. Um, so I'm excited to kick back and watch it at home. But it's it it's it's one of those pay-per-views that. I talk to my friends that aren't the biggest of wrestling fans and they even say they're going to tune in to watch the rumble itself. So there's, there's, there's always, it's always a draw and there, you know, it's even if you're just the casual wrestling fan, you know, the Royal rumble is going to be something that's going to be entertaining. It's going to give you stuff that you don't expect. And then Roman Reigns will win at the end. So, yeah. So, so we'll go, let's start there and we'll go backwards. So Darren, we, we see you floating around social media all the time uh, in some Roman's Roman Reigns cosplay. You do the Superman punch, I think about as well as Roman Reigns does just lay in, <laughs> lay in the smack down on whoever is in the parking lot prior to uh, WrestleMania or big WWE shows. So I guess we, when we start with this year's Royal Rumble and we talk about it, I think the two that you kind of have to start with are Brock and Roman because Brock is going to be coming in at number one, which I, I like that because it do, it just adds a little bit more of a wrinkle to it. Does it's not your same old Royal Rumble every year? Because we don't know. Does Brock go the length? Does somebody come out at number two, throw him out? Is it Reigns that throws him out? I, I kind of like the Brock addition to the Rumble. Yeah, I, but it also kind of tells me that they either have a set plan for Lesnar and that whoever eliminates him is going to be the guy that he fused with and they know exactly who that is. Or it tells you, well, we don't really have anything for Brock right now. So let's just throw him in the Rumble at number one. We'll let Heyman go out and sell it about how it's, you know, his beast just, you know, going to tear through everybody and add kind of a wrinkle into it. But I'm not sure which it is yet. Um, And I'm hoping it doesn't lead to, like, you know, Cain Velasquez, uh, you know, throwing him out and having to, you know, go through that again at WrestleMania, which is a possibility. But yeah, it, look, it's a cool wrinkle. You know, it's like the Roman Reigns thing when he had to defend the title in the Rumble. You know, it adds something new to go along with who might show up and who's who we're going to be disappointed when they don't show up. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as to what it means. I, the one thing I do think it means is that we're probably going to see like Lesnar in a ring longer than we have in like 15 years, which I guess is pretty cool. So let's go through. Here's the list of the wrestlers that have already been announced. I believe we have 25. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles, Eric Rowan, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Elias, King Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Otis and Tucker, Rusev, Bobby Lashley, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, Braun Strowman, Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Kofi, Biggie, and R-Truth. What I like about those 25 that we have is it feels like it's a pretty solid group Like we don't have a whole lot of like tag teams Where you know that neither one of these guys is going to win And it leaves just a few um, surprises I, We may be getting like the Authors of Pain Bobby Roode's not in the mix The Big Show, Kane, Cesaro, Miz, and Morrison Are ones that you know you, you could expect that might be in there But you mentioned another one 
uh, Darren Kane Velasquez. Do we like who? So uh, with the field in there, who are some of the the top contenders? You think Brian? And do you think we're going to see Kane Velasquez show up as a surprise entrant? Oh God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> right? Like, I didn't uh, love. I, I think, didn't love the the I, Kane look, Brock stuff. Yeah. Great. I, I I was. I, I I you might have mentioned someone, but and I apologize if I'm being an idiot here, but. Did you mention the name Adam Cole or Keith Lee? No. When you ranked no, that? No. So I would venture to say I, I think those two are going to be in the Rumble. I'm sure we've all heard the speculation of Edge being in the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even going to say CM Punk's name as, as even a, an option. But um, I, I think, to me, the guy I want, want to see win is Drew McIntyre. Yes. Um, I think. I guess what he's in the midst of doing is is turning face, but um, you know, I, I like this kind of, you know, fight me approach to pretty much anybody. It's almost like the Alistair Black approach, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think it. You can't. It's going to be a very tough sell to tell me that Brock's going to go when it won, and last the entire, you know, go through the thirty men, unless he does something stupid like he goes outside the ring and hangs under the ring for. 25 minutes or maybe but, somebody beats him early they take him to the back and then he comes right. out again at the end we've I seen mean, that, that with roman that would be before so stupid um, people hate that hate that when you go in one and two it's like we want to so, see you last and interact with everyone when what i there, do you know? what i do think they'll do is feed him five or six guys that are very easy to toss you know zach Ryder will come out of two you know it'll be sure. great um and then i'm interested in seeing who the first guy is that you know, gives him. I uh, to me, I I'd love to see Brock and Aleister Black. I mean, that to me is is where I'd like. You know, if we never know when Brock's going to be done, done. And I'd like to think, whenever the hell that is, he's going to put someone over. And I think Aleister Black is just is awesome. So I, I would love to see that be something they go with. But um, well, just kind of piggybacking on on your point, what I like about this group is. Even if they're not going to beat Brock one on one, I like. It feels like there's at least five or six that I want to see Brock in the ring with. You know, whether it be Roman, AJ, they've got history. Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, off of their little interaction the other night. Drew McIntyre, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing Rusev or Bobby Lashley. You mentioned Aleister Black. I mean, Braun Strowman would be fun to see in there with him again. Nakamura, they have. History from New Japan Pro Wrestling Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe would be fun To see them lined up against Brock So there's a lot of like I I like to see them and Brock kind of go at it I think that's what what makes this a little bit Intriguing and I think you pinpointed Brian on a couple of the the possible Surprises so Darren I mean the one that everybody Keeps talking about now are the, the two I guess Are Edge and Punk we maybe will get a Booker T because we're in Houston, and we also we have to because we're in Houston get some of the uh, the references to the Astros cheating, right? Well, I actually I think I think our truth is going to come in in a garbage can. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. And we had a fun. I, Go ahead, Darren. I was, I was just going to say I said on Twitter the other day that if if somebody doesn't bang a garbage can and do something. You know they'll they'll definitely miss an opportunity, but well, yeah, that, Corey, Corey Graves will get the joke in in five minutes. That's oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, look, I, I agree with everything you said, Gino. I, I do like the fact that the element of surprise and that we don't know where exactly they're heading with this Brock entering at one thing, and there's a lot of different ways that they could go. Even though when you know if you look at like the betting odds and at who's getting bet in some of the books overseas, you know Roman is is a strong favorite on the men's side. But I don't feel like nearly as confident this year that we know who the Rumble winner is as we did in the last couple of I years. I was pretty, you know, two years ago, I was pretty much sold on the fact that Nakamura was going to win. And last year, you know, I didn't really love the whole Rollins thing that they were doing because I already thought it was getting played out. But we all knew that Rollins was going to win. This year, yeah, I get Roman's the favorite and that's what we're supposed to believe. But I, I I don't feel nearly as certain about it this year because I think there's a lot of different directions that they can go. And, you know, they, who they have tabbed as the winner right now, they might change it, you know, come Sunday. We've certainly seen them do that with Roman before, and it wouldn't be the first time. If uh, if The Fiend loses, because there's a stipulation in that match, could The Fiend enter the Royal Rumble? Or could, the, could Bray Wyatt enter, right? Like the alter ego version of him? The, just the... Let you know, like the Mister Rogers Bray Wyatt enter, and not the Fiend, or like you said, it, it, a different. And and the way that they're setting it up now, because Roman has a match on the undercard, 
in a, a I think it's a false count anywhere match with a more street fight match with with uh, King Corbin. They oh, could God. they could set this up to where Roman even loses earlier in the night, gets beat down by Corbin and some of his cronies, and then you know the the Bret Hart as he's limping into the ring, Roman Reigns you know uh, has to come back and win. The, the, and even if Roman wins this year, I don't feel as like kind of like what you were saying, Darren. Last year we felt like Rome, like uh, Rollins was kind of getting shoved down the throat, and and in previous years it was Reigns, but he's been out of the title picture for a while now, kind of been doing his own thing. So it doesn't even feel like well, 100 for sure we're going to get forced Roman Reigns on us. So you mentioned Brian McIntyre. Give me one or two others who you would like to see or you think have a legitimate shot. If it's not Roman, if it's not McIntyre, who's someone else that they can maybe build a story around? Well, I thought. Um... I'm on. I guess I'm on record. If anybody cares, but I, I thought the path they were putting Finn Balor was on was to win the Rumble. And forgive me, I, I didn't. I don't know if you said his name or not. No, I haven't. Um, but now that he's in NXT, I don't think that it's going to be really possible. Um, unfortunately, it should be. Uh, so I, I thought Finn Balor was going to be was kind of, I thought Finn Balor was on the path that Seth Rollins was on two years ago. Win the you know IC title at WrestleMania, dominate the year. Win the Rumble it didn't quite happen. Instead, he basically got killed by the Fiend and turned heel in NXT, and it's been good. And I like his character. I just don't think he's in position to win the Rumble. Um, I mean, I, I I would like to see Keith Lee get involved after what we saw at Survivor Series. Um, but again, I, I just can't. I I could see Vince being like, well, nobody knows who this guy is, so why why put him over in the Rumble? I, I think I think it comes down to Brock. I think it comes down to Roman. And I think it comes down uh, to Drew McIntyre. I think if, you know, if we get Roman and like Seth and like, I, could, couldn't you see a situation where it's like Roman, Seth and the AOP is the last four. And sure. that's how you, you know, have Roman eliminate the three of them. And the last two men standing are Seth and Roman. I'm not mean, actually kind of be cool, I guess. Um, but we know at that point that Roman's not going to lose. Yeah, so so what about you, Darren? Um, who are some of your like top tier selections, or you think it's going to be in in this group of guys? I, I'll it, tell you this: not to not to jump over, but it's never anybody. It, they never go with anybody creative. I mean, we no, know no, it's going to be. You're right. It's, yeah. it's very rarely like a way outside the box, uh, right? Selection. And and I had I had some hopes on Keith Lee, although I think the fact that you know he won on on Wednesday night, you know, kind of spoils the chances of him being a contender to actually win the thing. I think. He might be in it. They can give him a run, and he could have a moment with Lesnar or a moment with Reigns, you know, to keep propping him up. But I, I don't think he could be a winner. Uh, the one thing that's kind of weird is that when they announced that Lesnar was going to be number one, there was almost like this consensus where, well, now we know somebody from SmackDown is, is going to win the Rumble. Like, that was like, you know, and it seems to still be like in everybody's head that the winner of the Rumble is coming from SmackDown. But to be honest with you, once you get past Roman, I can't see anybody else from SmackDown winning the Royal Rumble. I don't. I don't even think Strowman is is a person that, that I. What about Daniel Bryan losing and then entering? That could be. Yeah, I mean that that could happen. I guess because I didn't see Bryan's name on the list, that that kind of you know went over my head. Could a little be the bit, but... could be the payoff after years of not having him win the Rumble. It, it could be, but but I but again, you're gonna have him lose lose to the Fiend and then win the Royal Rumble to face him again. You know, no, I, I don't. You, I don't necessarily. I, I, I think the ma- I think the match they want is Daniel Bryan Brock Lesnar. I know they're on different brands. But I think that's the match they want at WrestleMania, and could and then and you could do that, and then you could also get you know Roman with the Fiend on the other side. So you could maybe you know you could somehow get those two matches built towards, right. and, and that would probably be a good use of of those four come WrestleMania time. So that that wouldn't bother me. That wouldn't bother no. me at all. Well, it wouldn't bother. I, I but honestly, the weird thing with Roman, I, I you know it's funny. Everyone talks about him being pushed down, and Roman's going to win, and all this stuff. Roman loses a lot more than he wins for a guy that's the face of a company. And, you know, I mean, he has, if you take a look at all of his like combined title reigns out of like a five plus year career on the main roster, I think it's like six months of total time as any kind of like a major champion. And they have him losing to Corbin in a couple of matches. And I remember I was talking to my friend after Survivor Series when he won this, when he was like the, you know, the last Survivor. And I said, oh, here we go. Here comes the big buildup of Roman all the way up through WrestleMania. This is the guy that's going to save SmackDown from The Fiend. And then they had him lose to like Corbin a couple of times and have Dogfoot thrown on his head. So it kind of threw me off my game a little bit. Um, I, I think, I, look, if it's not Roman, I still, I still don't think they're creative enough 
to come up with the idea of Brian winning and doing all that. I don't think, I just don't think they think that way anymore. I think they've come rather predictable with who wins the Rumble, as, as Monzo was saying before. If it's not Roman, I think it's going to be a big guy from Raw. You know, Drew McIntyre leaps above the rest. But, you know, if not him, I could. it wouldn't shock me if Aleister Black won, and it wouldn't shock me if, if Kevin Owens won. But beyond that, I don't really see much much else in terms of options. Let's talk about the uh, the women's, which, real quick, on the on the opposite side, they've only announced four women in the Rumble, and they don't have, like, a, a kind of women's roster like they do with the men's where they have hundreds on, on roster and you can pick. The only women announced have been Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and Sarah Logan. You have to imagine, like, the rest of the roster, like Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Kyrie Sane, Lana, Liv Morgan, Natalia, Zelina Vega, Carmella, Dana Brooks, Sasha Banks, Manny Rose, Sonya Deville, Tamina. They're probably going to be in the mix. The ones that we kind of have question marks about, um, there are some that are returning from injury, like Ruby Riot, Naomi, Nia Jax would probably get a good pop. And then a couple from NXT, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley. And then the one everyone wonders about, do we see Ronda Rousey show back up in this Royal Rumble and challenge Becky one-on-one at WrestleMania? I think I think you just told us what's happening, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it seems like if they didn't announce so just, many. And it just... Actually, and look, as someone who didn't love, though doesn't love Ronda, I mean, I, you know, but there is a sense of excitement to that. So, I could, you know, I could see that happening. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Shayna wins. I don't know. Maybe it could but, be. But I, I think the logical. I mean, <clears throat> if it's not, I, I think you're, I think it comes down to three people: Ronda. Shayna or Charlotte, I couldn't see anybody outside of those three. Yeah, I was I was going to say the the other thing that I could see happening if Ronda returns is not necessarily her returning and winning, but her returning in, in a brief moment and, and helping Shayna win, and doing some kind of a four horsewoman thing sure. where, where Ronda aligns herself with Shayna, and you get you know Shayna versus Becky at WrestleMania or, or something to that effect. Because um, I know Shayna is, is is become a very popular pick to win. Uh, beyond that, you know, look like we said, if it's anybody other. Then you know Shayna, uh, Ronda, or um, or Charlotte. I would be surprised. I know that there's some recent talk on Twitter about, believe it or not, Io Shirai because she's unhappy, and they're talking about calling her up to the main roster and a big Royal Rumble match might be the way to do that. That would still shock the hell out of me if they did that. Um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be anybody but the three that we talked about. I wonder if Eli Manny went through the Rumble. <laughs> Eli shows up and uh, and he's in the mix. So the rest of the and generally what happens with the Royal Rumble is that the the Rumble and now the two Rumbles itself they really sell the show. So like you don't really need a strong undercard. We do have a couple decent championship matches though. Just like quick hitter thoughts. Is there any way Daniel Bryan beats the Fiend or it's going to be the Fiend taking the the title into WrestleMania? I I think Daniel. I I think putting the stipulation gives you the easy out. You know, I don't know. Couldn't you see a situation where they're in the middle of it and the other taker music hits and then Daniel Bryan wins that way and then we got the dunk we got the fiend, then we got the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Or even Kane, right? Kane was around the other day to help uh to help Daniel Bryan out. Um, well, I mean if you want the audience to kill themselves, then yes, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be Kane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm if you want, if you want a thrill, I mean, even though I think it can make, might be a little silly, but I mean, if just for the dramatics, uh, I don't see why. I, I don't understand why you put a stipulation on the match if you don't have Daniel Bryan winning. To be honest with you, it's a fair point. I, you know, I never thought about that, but I, I, I again, I just, I just haven't seen enough creativity out of them lately to, to do that. I think they're just trying to come up with, you know, some kind of a cool gimmick that, you know, maybe, maybe their plan is all along that it's going to be Fiend versus Roman and. You know they're gonna have the fiend just completely destroy Daniel Bryan to the point where you know he gets taken out of there in like a stretcher, you know, and and everyone you know with the hope that everybody turns on the fiend because what he did to precious Daniel Bryan and everybody backs Roman in that matchup. I mean, you know that they kind of have like tunnel vision with this stuff. I feel, and maybe that's what it is. I I I think coming up with a concept of having Daniel Bryan win, and I I just don't think they're creative enough to do it right now. That's just from what I've seen. And then the rest of the undercard, uh, Roman Reigns versus King Corbin, that could be just kind of uh, setting a, t- a story for later on in the night. Shorty G versus Sheamus, that might be a kickoff <laughs> show where Sheamus kicks Shorty G's head off. Um, Let me ask a question. Did you ever think you would be doing a podcast where you had to say the word Shorty G? No, no, I did not. Especially when I saw Chad Gable in, in the beginning of NXT, and I'm like, man, this guy is so good. He's like really like- Kurt Angle. And they just became Shorty G now. He's Shorty G. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what they called 
Gino at the racetrack like 10 years ago. <laughs> You're right, Shorty yeah. G, give me the exact bro. <laughs> hey, Shorty G, what you got in the fifth, man? What you got in the fifth, man? Who you like? Who you like? Yeah. <laughs> when, that, when that poor guy goes out with his friends, they, they probably just rip him the whole time. Can't you just see Vince salivating when he thought of that? I got a great nickname for this guy. <laughs> and he's just laughing. He thinks it's the funniest thing in the God world. damn it, it's good. <laughs> and then it's great when you have ba- Bailey and Lacey Evans. Feels like they should be opposites. Like Bailey was like the greatest baby face ever. And Lacey Evans was a, a decent heel. And now they're flip-flopped. Does anybody uh, else and now, feel and now they're doing the Lacey Marine thing, which is like, yeah. is cool. But like that can grow very bored on this brand of WWE audience these days yeah. unfortunately does, yeah. does anybody else feel like really uncomfortable when Bailey's like talking in her heelish tones like it just, it just comes off so forced to me 100 like, like I feel like I'm watching an, an awful soap opera where it's just, <laughs> it just it really right. makes me want to just walk out of the room because I feel right. uncomfortable watching it yeah it, it, it's it's and you guys can screw yourselves <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you she just doesn't believe it, you know? Right. You just feel like she doesn't believe it. I think she needed this turn, uh, but you know, maybe just have her just not talk. Yeah. But, by the way, when we're talking about Vince's ideas, is Monday Night Messiah all him? It has to be, right? <laughs> he loves the – he gets fixated on a specific word, right? Yeah. You know, so now yeah. it's Messiah, and you he heard probably him say, ha- okay, Guys, did you ever notice this resemblance that Seth Rollins has to Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> you could almost see that meeting taking place. We're gonna call him from Monday Night Rollins. Now he's the Monday Night Messiah. That's right. Great. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna come in floating on water. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's great. Like the, the way, like the NFL draft. Out. Did you steal that from the NFL draft? Like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess Elias could be a surprise entrant, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he'll he'll come in and he'll sing his song at some point. Andrade and Berto Carrillo might be a um, a kickoff match, and then See, Becky like, Lynch, Oscar. The problem with now Elias running this face mode is he would have wrote a hilarious song about the Astros cheating. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of messed him up too a little bit because he was hot a while ago, and they just kind of never gave him a feud, never kind of put him in anything, and and it kind of just you know you can only come out and and sing a song and do a parody so many times, and they're funny and they're good, but like if you don't have anything week to week to to get people interested, you just kind of. Float down that kind of happened with Braun Strowman When he was hot they kind of just didn't really give him anything To sink his teeth into Elias the same Way um is there any shot that Oscar beats Becky Lynch or is it, this is kind of like wow. Becky Lynch right she's got to get wow. the redemption Here and then she's got to take the title to, to Mania yeah it's it, I think it's the whole point It, it evens up her her matchup you know With, with Oscar they go 1-1 I, I I don't I don't think there's any way in, in the world That she goes down 2-0 to Oscar and loses the title Before Mania Yeah I mean I I, I, I would I would actually I don't want to call it a squash, but I think that match would be short and sweet. Yeah, I don't think we don't have a whole lot of disagreement. But you know what? I don't feel like kind of what Darren said. It feels like with the men's and the women's and in most of these matches, it's the we we have a good idea of what's going to happen. But predictable is not always bad. Predictable is not always bad if it's done right. And it's just when it feels like there's no other option, there's nothing else they're doing, and they're just forcing something right at you. That's when we get kind of frustrated as fans because yeah. there's so much talent and there's so many different like ways you could go in here. So, I'm, I mean, I feel pretty like it was a bad 2019. I felt like the last few weeks the creative has actually gotten a little bit better. Like the shows just have been better and easier to sit through and to watch versus like a lot of fast forwarding some sometimes. So, I mean, going into the Royal Rumble before we let you guys go, kind of give us your overall thought and maybe like a, a last thought before you leave. Uh, my overall thought is I, I haven't – been is locked in just based on my schedule and for that reason I'm looking more forward to this rumble than I maybe ever have because I don't feel like I know as much um, outside of like the common sense that I have which is why I think Roman's going to win but uh, overall I mean both both rumbles are going to be good I think um, they're going to be entertaining there's going to be funny spots and I'm looking forward to the Daniel Bryan and the Fiend match and anything the Fiend does is good and Daniel Bryan can work with a broomstick and be good so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. And if you guys want to make fun of me before I run, I think Tax is going to win the Pegasus. So have fun with that one. Nice. <laughs> there we go. Brian, give us your plugs. Where can we find you online? Uh, at Bimonzo Radio on Twitter. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. I'll just be tweeting nonsense from there. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. So, Darren, what about you? Some closing thoughts. You know, I do miss the time, like, in WWE when – you would have like as we're standing right now, you know, at the end of January, going into Rumble, 
there's no like real inkling of like any kind of major feud going into Mania. Like we, we all know who like the favorites to win the Rumble are, and then you could start the feud that way. But I mean, in years like years and years ago, they would start like dropping hints about what was going to happen at Mania, like after SummerSlam. Like they would start to build storylines for like six months out. Now it's like you go to the Royal Rumble and you almost hit like a reset button. And everything mm-hmm. just completely changes. Like, okay, now at the end of January, we're going to start to, you know, build our feuds to Mania. And I think that's why you run into problems. Like with, you know, the whole Becky and Charlotte thing last year, which kind of got all convoluted and off the rails, is because now you're in like this super fast mode where you feel like everything's got to be rushed. You really got to build the feud quickly. And I really think they need to start to consider going back to building feuds from mm-hmm. months and months ago. Like, you know, when Sting debuted at Survivor Series, you know, and all that stuff with Triple H and Rollins. And, you know, I mean, if that if Sting debuted at the Royal Rumble, it would have had to have been jammed in much quicker. But they were able to have him debut and then go away for a while and show up on Raw, you know, in place of Rollins' statue, you know, and kind of disappear again. Like, they don't do that anymore. It's just, it's right down your throat. It's in your face. And it's like three months of WrestleMania season or not even two and a half months to build a feud. Um, Like I said, look, I think predictable doesn't necessarily have to be bad, like you said. Uh, I think that the Lesnar twist really makes things kind of interesting. And if they get creative, there's a lot of different things that they can do. Uh, so I'm not, again, I'm not 100% sold on, on Roman winning like some other people you know, seem to be. Um, but that being said, I hope Edge's music hits at one point during the night and we get a little fun because I've been looking forward to that for almost a decade. So Me too. Hope, and the rumors have been that. coming and I hope he's, he's you know, I think he's all healthy. And e- even just because, damn, that's a good song, right? We oh, just want to hear that song one that's more time. The, that little, yeah. call, like the very beginning, the only day, like yeah. that's, I, yeah. I will like walk around. I haven't seen Edge, you know what? We'll go back and watch some of the old ones, but like that's just the one that I go to. Is like one of my clutch goes to. If I ever see things on this day, I was doing an on this day segment or on the show last year for a while where we would do that over and over. So that's the one. I mean, the the Edge and I think the Punk ones. And now the more and more Punk is, you know, on the WWE backstage show on Fox, and the more he's kind of like involved in WWE, you feel like that bridge between Punk and Vince and Triple H is is going to be a lot easier. To, to get to, you know, because the one thing we've always said about Vince is he likes money. Doesn't matter if he likes you or not. If he knows that you're going to sell and he knows you're going to get ratings and you're going to get a pop, he will bring you back. He doesn't care what your history with him is like. No, that that's entirely true. But, you know, the, the, the only problem with Punk is that we've been down this road before with rumors. I, I mm-hmm. do agree. We're closer now based on just that than we have, have been before. But that's the kind of thing where, I really don't want to get my hopes up because I don't want the Royal Rumble to become all about CM Punk showing up. And then when he does it, I'm I like, you know, I'm, I'm pissed off. Disappointed. You know, and it ruins the whole thing. Like, I, I'm not going there. I'm trying to get it completely out of my head so that if it doesn't happen, at the end of the night, I, I even forgot about it because the show was really good. Um, that said, you know, the backstage thing just started a couple of months ago. I could see it happening, Gino. I, I think it's too quick. I think, I, I think it, I, you know, like the Sting thing, took like a year for them to iron all that stuff out. He went on like a tour for nine months and did like little tiny things for them. And he appeared like in the game and like his, you know, his, uh, you know, like he showed up on the website and like a merchandise and all that stuff happened like before he ever appeared on Survivor Series. So I don't know. I, I think it's too fast. I think, I think I would be really, I would be really, really, really surprised. I, I would put the odds of him, Winning at like you know a maiden you know racing twice and Gulfstream and winning the Pegasus so uh, you know I I would be very surprised. Darren Zocali, uh, appreciate you joining us again. Let everybody know where we can find you online. You're a great follow. Talk all sports. Um, now you're a lot of times you are um, if you find something interesting in like the betting lines, you'll you'll always kind of focus in on that and like let people know where the lines are over at Bet America. A lot of the time, racing. You talk wrestling. Really great follow. Where can we find you? Yeah, uh, right there on Twitter at the Track Seven. Uh, by all means, if you are interested in in sports betting or you're a VIP, you know, hit me up, DM me through there. Well, I'll be happy to you know get you hooked up with Bet America and get you a great package. And uh, yeah, obviously, still involved with with horse racing, working for Churchill as well. I'm sure I'll be out at the Derby again. So uh, yeah, you know, my my Twitter account is the same stuff. It's wrestling, it's sports, it's horse racing, and I'm sure we'll have uh, some fun figuring out electoral college math as we get closer to the election too. And Darren was one of the 
all-time great on-track handicapper. So whenever you see him out there like talking about a racing card, whether it be thoroughbred or harness racing, make sure to pay attention because what I appreciate with you, Darren, no matter what, we're going to win and we're going to lose a lot, but you always do your homework. You know, you put the time in. So I know that if I'm going to be following someone or if I didn't put a lot of time in, I always kind of look over to see what, what your thoughts are. And I got to give you a mention too, man, I think you're one of the closet best track announcers out there that people <laughs> didn't realize. Like I loved hearing you when you would call the races over at park sometimes, right? Like you'd, you'd head down there or like I've, yeah. I've heard you pop up a different time, a few different times. So, um, a, a Jack of all trades and a man that's more, uh, worn many hats in the world of horse racing and sports. I, I appreciate it. You know, it was my favorite thing to do, Gino. It's just when you, as you get older and you get married and settle down with kids, the, the track announcer lifestyle, unless you have a job at, at like Naira or a place like that or Gulfstream, you know, where you can where you can make good money and be in a place all year round. It's very difficult to have that lifestyle and be a married guy with kids because you got to move around a lot. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you get to the point in your life where you got to make a, a, you know, a choice between career and family and things like that. So but, uh, yeah, you know, every once in a while I do get to get to get behind the microphone. It certainly was a lot of fun. And I, I don't know about that because uh, Stephanie, she she has a great job. She works out here and she works for um, the Intercontinental Hotel and she works human resources. So she's going to in a couple of weeks when the maternity leaves over, she's going to be going back to the office throughout the day. And it's going to be me and Milo hanging out at home. I'm going to be the because I can record all my shows from home and right. I can do my podcast there. So it's going to be I, I know what you meant. I know what you're talking about. Life changes uh, when uh, when the kids come into the world. And, uh, and that's that's the priority now. And that's what's most important. So I've always appreciated that. Uh, it's funny because you and Brian are two people who've definitely shot me little bits of advice here and there and little tidbits. And I, uh, I will always kind of reach out to you guys if I need any help. So thanks for that. And, uh, and let's have a fun weekend, man. But you know, Brian's got a colony over there, so it's, yeah. it's a little bit more intense than what I, the advice that I could give you, but uh, yeah, let's, let's have a great weekend. Uh, let's enjoy the Pegasus tomorrow, even with the two scratches and obviously, uh, Royal Rumble on Sunday. Darren Zocali, our good friend. You'll hear from Darren a lot on, uh, on that's what G said. Thanks Darren. Talk to you later, buddy. All right, man. Take care. A big thanks to Darren Zocali and to Brian Monzo for coming on talking some Royal Rumble today. Hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. And make sure, if you can, subscribe, download, rate, and review. Share the show around with all of your friends. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy the Rumble and make that money at the races. Joey, my friend, take it away.